of Hope. I am Stephanie Winslow, and I am so grateful to be with you this morning to bring to you a message from the Word of God. If you have a cup nearby, grab it. If not, just lift up your hands and ask the Lord to fill you up, fill us up, Lord, today with the hope that you have in store for us through the power of your Word. God's Word is our power source. It is a place that we come and get plugged in to the power of who God is, connected to His Spirit. The, the Word, when we sit and soak in His Word, it, it has the ability to change us from the inside out. It softens our heart. It changes our mindset. It gives us fresh and new perspective. It helps us to see when we're getting a little off course um, and when the the things that we're listening to in the world around us are, are maybe detracting us or, or taking off course from His best plan for us. So it's super important to stay connected and tied into the Word of God. It acts as, like I said, our power source of so being plugged into it, but also it acts as like a compass. It always brings us back to center. It brings us back to true north. It brings us back to the place and uh, that is God's best path for us. And sometimes we may not understand or sometimes we, we might get, um, you know, just confused about why we're moving forward in a direction that we're moving or why he chooses certain things in his word, um, certain guidelines that he asks us to follow. And I can tell you from experience that even for those that I don't understand but I have chosen to say yes, Lord, to, um, because you you say so, Lord, because I trust you more than I trust my myself. I trust you more than I trust the voices around me, more than, than what media is telling me or more than what the news is telling me, more than what even family is saying. I trust you, Lord, and your word. I can continue coming back to that, and I can guarantee you that his plan is the best plan. It's it is not on a good, better, best sort of scale. Um, it is always the best. And we can be sure of that when we're making a decision. That when we're following after God's heart, He will always lead us in the path that is for our, our best uh, life. Our best e- eternal life uh, and drawing us closer, closer to Him and to His heart. Um, We have, if you've been with us, uh, studying the book of Nehemiah, and this is definitely a book that is challenging, I think, to to read, especially as a leader. It it challenges leadership, but now this, in chapter 10, where we're at, we're kind of rounding out the end of, of the book of Nehemiah. There are 13 chapters. We're in chapter 10 today. And I want to kind of hit a quick couple of things in our time together. And this is uh, chapter 10. We see the people who have come back to the city of Jerusalem, who, are, who are, have been participating in the rebuilding of the wall and the, the rebuilding of their lives in the city of Jerusalem. Again, remember, if you've been with us, you know that the Israelites were exiled out of the city of Jerusalem. And for years it was left in desolation and shambles. And there were attempts along the way to rebuild, but nothing really worked until God put it on Nehemiah's heart to go back. And he made a way for Nehemiah to get the resources that he needed to rally the the people that were needed. 
And so now the wall is complete and built. There's been a time of, of repentance when the, when the law was read to the people for the first time in a really long time and their hearts were grieved. And they were told, let's stop our grieving because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Today is a new day. Let's turn the page and start fresh. And out of the, that um, kind of new hope that arose at the, within the people at that time, they decided as a people that they were going to write an oath, sign a covenant together. That's the, all of these people joined together saying, we are, as a people, going to make a choice day by day to follow after the law of God, to follow after this law that he set up and he ordained for his people that yes, we recognize as a people we had walked away from, we had, we had chosen to go after other pagan gods. And, and instead, today we're signing a document. We're standing together, creating this oath, creating this covenant that says we are going to live life different from here on out. And it's uh, in verse 28 of, of chapter 10, it says this, The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temples, temple servants, and all who separated themselves from pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand. Old enough to understand. So, I, I mean, in my mind, that's probably like 8 to 10-year-olds were old enough to understand and, and up. And even back then, it might have even been younger just because of, you know, by age 12, a lot of them were betrothed to be married. So who knows what age that would have been when they were old enough to understand. But I would guess that even children at some level were counted in this. They joined with their uh, leaders and bound, bound them together with an oath. They bound themselves together with an oath, proclaiming that they were going to follow the law of the Lord. And then in verses um, 30 through 38, they recount what it is that they're going, they're agreeing to in this covenant oath. And in these verses, we find that they are not going to let their daughters or sons marry pagan people. And the reason for that was because that was one of the main um, kind of initiators of people falling away from the law of God. It was, they would be married to other cultures, other, um, other uh, people who were serving other gods. And, and instead of them influencing that culture and changing that culture, that culture would draw them away from the heart of God. It would draw them away. And, and then they ended up serving God and uh, Baal, God and all these other gods. And they that caused a breakdown in their, their culture, a breakdown in serving God. Um, so then they decided there no buying of merchandise on the Sabbath. And according to God's law, the seventh year would be a year of rest for their land. And they would cancel all the debts that were owed to them. That was uh, really important in the law that God established. And they hadn't been living that way. So it was continuing to grow. And this is so important uh, in faith because that was the year when they really, really had to press in and trust God. So imagine every seven years basically taking a year off from work and trusting God to provide in the 
one to six years, enough income and salary and provisions that you wouldn't have to work the seventh year. Like that's basically what this is agreeing to and canceling any debts that were owed to you. If people uh, borrowed money, if people borrowed, borrowed land or borrowed possessions from you, all of those debts would have been canceled in that seventh year. Um, everyone would bring an annual temple tax. Everyone would share in bringing wood to, for the, the temple to keep the fires burning there. Um, they were to bring a first part of their harvest, the first fruits. Um, they were to give their oldest son to the, the, the service of the temple um, and the first fruits. Um, they were to bring their best to the temple. The best of all of the harvest would come. So you have the first fruits, you have the, the best. Um, and then a tenth of everything would be as an offering. And all of this was for the service of the, the temple. And what, why was that so important? The temple was the, the centerpiece of their faith, where they would come together, where they would um, serve and worship together. It's interesting the timing of this because we were just having a conversation yesterday um, at a, a church leadership meeting that my husband and I were participating in at our church, Cross Point Jupiter. Um, and it, this conversation we had about the, the many excuses that we can make for not attending church. We can make a lot of excuses for not setting foot inside of, inside of the doors. And here we have a people who recognize, and this was something that Marshall brought up in that meeting, that our participation in church is like our participation in a marriage. That when we um, come together in a marriage, that's, that's a covenant kind of relationship. It's not a covenant kind of relationship, it is a covenant relationship. We're, we're making it like, no matter how I feel about this relationship, I'm making a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a, a sense of loyalty to the other person. It's a, not based on feeling or emotion. It's based on choice and choosing to be a participant, choosing to come together, choosing to be bound together in relationship with the other person in our marriage. And that same thing goes with the covenant that we have with the church that we're a part of. When we invest our lives into a a local church, we're entering into a, a covenant relationship with the, the people of that church, with, with the leadership of that church and saying, we are choosing, no matter how I feel, no matter um, if I feel like it or not, whether I'm tired or not, whether I'm busy or not, I'm choosing to make this church a priority. I'm choosing to make my relationship um, with this church a priority. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be loyal to, and I'm going to not allow other things in my life to take me away from being a participant in this congregation and in this body of believers. I believe that our culture has really gotten away from, I, I was thinking about this too, even with my own upbringing, that uh, I grew up in a, my parents' um, were entrepreneurs and so they had a very driven personality um, about them that was it was that 20 uh, 
28 hours a day, kind of eight days a week sort of mentality. Like there, there wasn't like an off switch <laughs> most of the time. Um, but so were my grandparents and so are my aunts and uncle. Um, that's how they live their life. It is, it is nonstop. There, there, I don't think I've ever heard my mom say, I was thinking about this and that I'm too tired to do that. I don't, I'm too tired to do that. I don't feel, I don't feel like doing that. I didn't ever hear my mom say those words. It was, she knew what her responsibility was and she was going to make every effort to remain committed to that um, commitment that she had made. She would make every effort to be there, every effort, whether she felt like it or not, whether she had the energy or not, whether she felt was tired or whatever, she was going to show up and do the thing that she had committed to do. And I see that in my family. I feel like probably from my generation and younger, um, and, and maybe it's even a generation above me, but there's kind of this propensity, especially I think now that we've gone through this season of, of COVID and on the after side of that, that we tend to make a lot of excuses about why we can't show up, um, why we didn't make something a priority or, or why we're not super committed to something. And this kind of, I hope, speaks to your heart and gives you the opportunity to to look at your level of commitment to the local church, your level of commitment to God uh, and to what he is asking you to do, to his law, his uh, word spoken in your life. What is it that he has asked of you and how committed are you to that uh, thing that he's asked of you? How committed are you to the local church that you're, you're a participant in? Are you showing up uh, whenever you just, whenever it's convenient, are you showing up because you're committed to the body of believers? Do you think, is that a priority for you? And if not, I think we have to pause and ask ourselves why, why is that not a priority for us? Why have we forgotten that it's a part of who God is calling us to be? He says, do not forsake meeting together. Like, don't, don't forget about that. And we see this group of people in, the, in Nehemiah pausing, repenting, and saying, from here on out, like, we're going to live our lives differently. We're going to live our lives based on this covenant that we are binding together, surrounded by the law that God set out for us, back from our father of the faith, Abraham, that he gave Abraham the set of, uh, or excuse me, Moses, the set of laws that the people were supposed to be following after in order to keep them in alignment with who God was and who they were in order for them to, to reap the benefits of being in alignment with God, being in relationship with God. Um, so that's, I, th I think... <laughs> Where I want to leave today before we venture back on Wednesday into the next chapter in chapter 11. But let's today take out this out your Bible, pull out chapter 10 from the book of Nehemiah, read through it. And as you're reading, pray and ask God to show you the places in your life where you need to shore up your commitment, where you need to shore up your priority 
for the local church, for his word, for his promises, for his truth, for um, his desire to move and work in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just thank you so much for your word uh, that does just what I, I said at the beginning. It brings us back to the true north, Lord. You, you help us to reset our priorities. You help us to know right from wrong. You help us to, to have a clear path forward. God, you are not a God of confusion, but you are a God of clarity. So thank you, Father, that your word does illuminate and bring us um, clarity in our life. And, and so often the, the confusion comes from the noise that surrounds us. It doesn't come from you. Because when we actually dig into your word, when we give your word the opportunity, you change us from the inside out and you give us the clarity and the discernment, the wisdom that we need to move forward from this place. And God, I pray that as we are reading and sitting and soaking in this word from the book of Nehemiah in chapter 10, that you would help us to reorder our priorities, that you would help us to even enter into a new covenant between us, ourselves, and our local church that we're a part of. And God, for those who are watching today that have chosen to not be the, a part of a local church, maybe they've been wounded by uh, things that have happened or they've, they've just you know fallen out of the rhythm and routine of being a part of a local church, God, I pray that you would make that a priority in their hearts, that you would stir in their hearts, that they would not be content or, or feel settled until they've They've made that a priority because, Father, I know that there is much work to be done. You say that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And right now in this season, it seems that the workers have chosen to, to maybe take a back seat. Um, we've chosen to, to just get kind of complacent and comfortable in this life and, and to, choosing to stand at an arm's distance. And God, I pray that you would help us to engage you would help us to engage in our local church. You would help us to engage in doing the work that you're asking the churches to do. And that doesn't maybe look like programs, God, but it looks like serving our communities. Help us to know how to do that well, Father, and to not forsake meeting together. I thank you, Father, for this word. I thank you that your word was sent out and may it produce fruit in the minds and hearts and lives of those who are willing to hear and listen and take it to heart. In Jesus' name, we pray all of this, and may you receive the glory both now and forever. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with me today on Cup of Hope. Be blessed, be well, and Lord willing, I will see you here on Wednesday. Bye-bye.